it is my favorite day of the week a little rock a little roll a little chamomile that's what we need whatever has chamomile i'm a chamomile guy all right i'm, I'm getting i'm getting tea bags thrown in my way here english breakfast toucan tuscan herb. yeah sure whatever it takes yeah thank you the lovely michelle stepping in thank you very much <laughs> love the service we get here Oh, yes. It is a Tuesday. We're rolling for you and plenty to hit on today as we recap the wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs and now look ahead to the divisional round. It took us three days, Saturday, Sunday, and two games on Monday. And now we are now done and we got plenty to rant and rave about today. Terrible Tuesday takes. That's coming your way. Chuck Esposito will join us a little bit later on next hour. We'll talk to Chuck regarding the NFL playoffs and winners, losers at the sports book, the divisional round coming up. And uh, we've got uh, the two number one seeds, nearly double digit favorites. So we'll dive into that uh, with Chuck, the big seven footer, big Bill Cartwright will be joining us today. Plenty to talk to him about regarding the NBA basketball, some controversy going on in the association, not so much on the court, but we'll dive into that and hit some terrible Tuesday takes uh, regarding that. And the seven-footer will join us for that portion as well, too. And then the very fine Hispanic voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, my friend Jesus Lopez, he will join us today. Always love having Jesus on, and uh, we'll talk a little VGK. They were victorious last night, getting a much-needed victory over the Nashville Predators last night, 4-1. to Mark Stone, the captain, gets a hat trick. So that's what's on tap today. Will he have a mask on during the interview? <laughs> we can ask him. We need to ask him yeah. this. That just needs to be a random thing all the yeah. time. Now. You like the mask. I like the mask. You saw the post today. I saw all. Yeah. Yeah. I told him I was going to post that today. He was like all excited. Yeah. yeah. He, he, it's Bill's Mascaris. And those that are, you know, Lucha Libre fans or wrestling fans. You know, you know what that's all about. Yeah. Uh, once in a while, Jesus will do the broadcast. You know, you see him up there at T-Mobile Arena. He'll do the broadcast in the mask. He'll see that once in a while. All right. Yeah. So, so much to hit on today. Um, where do we go? Where do we start? Um, you're eating. This is the, fr- I, I rarely see you eat. I, I offer you food all the time. If you had this, you'd be under, you'd understand. What, what do you got? Go ahead, share. What do you got here? It looks like an old, you got some, it's bacon. I have some amazing bacon. Amazing bacon. Amazing bacon. I had bacon today. I know you did. I had bacon. You told me. I had a bacon-wrapped Freddy's hot dog. No, that's not on the menu. I know people are going to go to Freddy's, and they're going to want that to, to get that. But maybe if you ask nice, you can do that. Go to Eastern. Go see my man, Gio, the Eastern location there in Silverado Ranch, and say you want the TC Special Hot Dog. And what they'll do, 
they'll just throw anything random together because you've had so many special hot dogs lately. <laughs> the flash fry. The yeah, flash fry. You'll have the flash fry. Then it goes on the grill. The bacon. Wow. And, and here's the deal. When I had this today, I had no idea that the bacon was, was even on the hot dog until I got to my second to last bite. And you were like, oh. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't even like know it was there. It was a, a surprise and a shocker there. But man, that that snap and uh, I'm a big fan now of the the flash fry, not the deep fry, the flash fry hot dog, and then grill it. Love the snap, got the the heat on it as well too. Good stuff. All right, so we derail a little bit, maybe not. People love talking about the food. We love that. All right, uh, so yes, the NFL playoffs. We witnessed what transpired. Um, last night over the weekend, we had some highs, we had some lows, but this is the perfect way to start a terrible Tuesday. It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, so the wild card weekend closes last night with one of the most disgusting games we have probably seen. Now, if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, hey, glorious, fantastic, you win, thirty-two to nine. If you had the Eagles last night, or you're just an Eagles fan. You're downright disgusted because this was a playoff game. We knew the Eagles were coming in to the postseason on a real low note, losing five of the last six coming into this. Just downright atrocious. Well, the game starts last night, and the Buccaneers get the ball first. This game was lost. On the very first two series. The two series of both teams. Let me explain. So the Buccaneers get the ball. They march right down the field. They were held to a field goal. Philadelphia gets the ball. And they get a quick first down. They get a nine-yard run by Swift. Looking pretty good there. Nice little pass. And then all of a sudden they face a third and two. Now they're having success running the ball. The last time they faced Tampa Bay, they ran the ball for 170 yards. In a third and two, Jalen Hurts goes back to pass and throws the ball 35 yards downfield on the right sideline incomplete. And it was like, what are you doing? You had the ball at the 44-yard line. Come on now. Just run the ball, get the first down. Because after watching that first series, the way Tampa Bay rolled down the field, you felt like, Eagle's going to be in trouble here. I mean, you're going to have to match them score for score. And they punt. And I'm losing it right now. I'm, I'm going, what are you doing punting? Just just go for it. Go for it. You're midfield. Nail it. Move on. Because if you punt the football, you're going to be in trouble. Well, sure enough, they punted the football. And what happens? There goes Tampa Bay. Down the field easily once again. And they get a touchdown. It's 10 nothing. You knew the game was over at that point in time. Philadelphia gets their second possession. What happens? Same thing. They get to a third and two, throw a pass, incomplete, and they punt. Tampa Bay gets the ball, marches right down the field again, 
Gets another field goal. It's 13-0. This game was over. This game was over literally midway through the first quarter. Let me tell you what Tampa Bay did with their drives in the first half. A 10-play drive for a score. 12-play drive for a score. 13-play drive for a score. Then they had a couple other five- and six-play drives. They had five possessions in the first half. It was over. Now we get to the second half, and Philly is only down by a touchdown. And you're thinking, well, they got a shot here. They get zero in the second half. They got progressively worse as the game went on. They scored the big Z. Nil. Nine. Zippo. Shut out. The defending NFC champs, who at one time were 10-1, and one, got zero in the second half. It was a dismal performance. It was downright embarrassing. They had no answers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are a 9-8 and eight football team going into last night's game. 9-8. and eight, Barely qualified for the playoffs in that pathetic NFC South division. The 24th ranked offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The 32nd ranked rushing offense. Those are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that the Eagles looked horrible against. Yes, Philly is a horrible football team right now. They've lost six of their last seven games, including losses to the Giants, to the Cardinals, to the Seahawks, and of course last night to Tampa Bay. Both sides of the ball, dismal. Horrible. Giving up 27 points to the Giants, 35 to the Cardinals, 33 to the Cowboys, 42 to the Niners, and 32 last night to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, an atrocious embarrassment performance against an injured and inconsistent quarterback in Baker Mayfield. But Mayfield looked fantastic. So this is the time that we give credit to Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay was good last night. Yes, they were. Tampa Bay won six out of the last seven games. We'll give them credit because they played well and they were good last night. But this is a terrible Tuesday. Even though Tampa Bay was good, we have to talk about the terrible aspect, and that is Philadelphia. 0 for 9 on third downs last night were the Eagles. 0 for 2 on fourth down. Total of 276 yards. They had the ball for only 25 minutes of this football game. They deserve to lose. They were horrible. A team that probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. But they had a second life, even though they're going on the road, playing a team that they thoroughly dominated back in week three of this regular season, and they got whooped up and down the field. Now, another sad part of this was Jason Kelsey, the center, Travis Kelsey's brother. Jason Kelsey's played 13 seasons. He was so disgusted, you could see it on his face. They showed pictures of him on the sideline during the final minutes saying goodbye to his teammates because Jason Kelsey retired last night. He told his teammates privately, I'm done. This is it. Going to soak in this moment. But we've seen Kelsey on these one-year contracts, and we've seen him during the course of the season. When they were 10-1, and he was feeling pretty good. But the Philadelphia Eagles have driven him into retirement. And that's the truth. Because if they were playing better, he'd probably hang on for another year or two. Because this guy's great. He's loving the attention that he's getting. Loved being in the Super Bowl last year, even though he lost to his brother. But he loves the attention. Got the podcast going with his bro. Six Pro Bowls. He's the fifth center with as many Pro Bowls. All right. And all of those other centers, 
They're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Jason Kelsey will be too. So very sad because he's been miserable the last two months. And just like his team, started out 10-1, and closed the season losing 6-7. out of seven. His Eagles team was lifeless. They were argumentative with each other on the sideline. They had a porous defense. And yes, Philly, the biggest disappointment of this weekend. No question. The second biggest disappointment of this weekend, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, maybe it's a 1-1-A situation, but the Cowboys were pathetic. Green Bay puts up 48 points on the Dallas Cowboys. It happened, just like I predicted. Not so much that the Packers won, because I did not predict that. No, I thought the Cowboys would win the game. Yes, I did. But what I said on Friday is that I'm afraid of this game if I'm betting the Cowboys because Dak and McCarthy could come back to haunt all of those Dallas betters. And guess what? It happened. The Prescott factor came to life. The bad Dak. You got him. The pick six. Horrendous. The Dallas defense exposed. Playing a weak zone coverage. People want to talk about Dan Quinn. Let's throw him in there as well. McCarthy, Quinn, Prescott, all pathetic. And let's talk about Jordan Love. 16 for 21, 272 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Looked great, didn't he? Everyone's talking about Jordan Love. Numchuck could complete those passes. Marco D'Angelo, who couldn't, doesn't even know where to drop back is in a flag football game, in a lingerie game, could, could, could complete a pass, but he probably could have completed a pass against that Cowboys secondary because they were playing this soft zone coverage. Dan Quinn, what are you doing? Wait, 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 wait. <clears throat> Before we start talking about Marco yeah. in lingerie yeah. Play, yeah. games, yeah. can he at least be wearing a hoodie that looks from like 1974? Yeah, it's his traditional normal wardrobe he's saying. Right, yeah. The point of the matter is you play man-to-man defense majority of your time. You play cover. Tight man-to-man coverage. And you're taking care of those receivers a lot. No, you're passing off and you're in this weak zone and the Packers are exploiting it. What is that? What is that? Defense takes blame. Coaching takes blame. Quarterback takes blame. All bad football. And on your home field where you were 8-0, where you were destroying opponents, you give up 48 to the Packers? The Packers aren't a top 10 defense. Uh, offense? Are you kidding me? I top 15. Made them look all world. Made them look Brett Favre-esque. That's what he made him look like. Antonio Freeman back in the day. Craziness. And Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott threw the ball 60 times. He completed 41 passes. He had 403 meaningless yards. He had three meaningless touchdowns. You know why those are meaningless? Because he had had two huge interceptions, including a pick six going the other way for the Packers. He got all this garbage yardage in the fourth quarter, and it was meaningless. They got drilled 48-32. to Now, the Dallas problems, they've been there in front of everyone's face, and they're probably going to continue as long as they keep Dak Prescott as your quarterback and Mike McCarthy as your head coach. Now, we know Jerry Jones wasn't happy. He was turning his back. 
He didn't want to look at this game anymore. He wanted to talk to the media like he always does, and he said he wanted to take some time, but he wasn't happy. He wants to take his time and think about things. They're doing their exit interviews yesterday and today. McCarthy was doing those. He's still in the building. But what does this say about the Dallas Cowboys under the Jerry Jones regime? 13 straight playoff appearances without getting to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it's hard to get the NFC Championship game. But when you have the talent that the Cowboys have, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you think that you could get there. 13 straight playoff appearances without getting to the NFC Championship. So who's to blame? Players? Coaches? What do they always say? Players play, coaches coach. Right? You hear that. From coaches, from players, they all say it. There's plenty of blame to go around here with the Cowboys. But it all starts at the top with Jerry Jones. That's where it starts. He has failed miserably in his coaching hires. Since Bill Parcells left in 2006, here's the coaches you've had. Wade Phillips, the Pillsbury Doughboy, didn't have very good success. Jason Garrett, we know how that turned out. And then you go Mike McCarthy. Three coaches in 18 seasons, none have won anything of substance. Anything. You could pile up regular season wins, doesn't mean a darn thing. You want to go to the past? Sure, you had Barry Switzer in there, but before him, you know what else you had? Dave Campo and Chan Gailey. How about those two train wrecks? You're only as good as your head coach and your quarterback. And right now, the Dallas Cowboys do not have a good one in either spots. Sure, you're good enough to have Dak Prescott beat the lower echelon teams, but playoff time? No. What with Tony Romo? Tony Romo, remember? Couldn't win playoff games. Choked badly. But, you know, Cowboys fans wanted to get rid of him too. But they hung on to him too long. Wasn't any good. Dallas hasn't had a great quarterback since Troy Aikman. Really haven't. Roger Staubach. That's that. That's your Cowboys quarterback. That's the mural on the wall. That's the picture. Nothing even close to that for the Cowboys. Yes. For the past eight years, you've had a mediocre quarterback in Dak Prescott. Mediocre. I'm not going to say he's terrible. I'm going to say mediocre. In the past four years, you've had a mediocre head coach. Jerry Jones going to have some decisions to make. But this Cowboy organization, as you've seen it, unfold. It's the same old story over and over again, underachieve, especially when you come to the postseason. Peacock. Playoff. Update. You want that? All right. We talked all about it last week. Miami, Kansas City. The wild card game that was only available on a streaming service. That's right. Can't watch it on regular TV. Not even cable. Not even ESPN. Nope. NBC was begging people to purchase Peacock so they could watch the game. Now, after the Houston-Cleveland game, the first playoff game on Saturday, which was on NBC, they decided to do a nice little post-game show and then translate that into a pre-game show for the upcoming Chiefs-Dolphins game, which they could not broadcast because it was going to be on Peacock, their sister... I'm not even going to call it a network, streaming service, right? So this was hilarious. Going all the way up to game time, you have got the NBC crew 
doing their regular pregame that you see for Sunday night football, and they're begging people to hang tight, but you can't watch it on this channel. You got to purchase Peacock so you can watch the game. So after that Houston game, all the way up to kickoff, they're running these these promos and begging you to purchase Peacock. And they're warning you, saying you're not going to watch it here. So what do you see on the screen? A giant QR code. The giant QR code in the left part of your screen. And they want you to order. Order now so you can watch the game. So you can be part of history in the making. What history? The negative history? That you're not able to watch a playoff game because it's the first time in the history of our time in television history that a NFL playoff game was not on broadcast television. Think about what I just said. In the history of television, the history of the NFL, since television rolled around in the 60s, 50s, right? Not on broadcast television, a playoff game. Oh, yeah, if you want to watch it, you have to pay $5.99 and get your peacock. Yes, holding NFL fans hostage and forcing them to pay for playoff football. It's insane. It's ridiculous is what it is. So all of the other NBC networks had the same QR code. Sure they did. Plus, they had a countdown. An hour and 30. You're saying the other NBC networks. Are you trying to say like... NBC, you know, the what, what's the news channel all, all, they have? All of them besides what? MSNBC. Yeah. So CNBC, M- yeah. CNBC yeah. had it. Why? Why? You think those people watch it? CNBC, MSNBC, they're they're going to watch football? People on, like E, E had it. E, yeah. So I was Are watch- those people watching E? I was okay. watching Billy watching, Madison. And I was going to say, I watching B- Billy Madison or watching the Housewives of, uh, of Podunk, Iowa. Exactly. Yeah. Are gonna they want to watch football? And the whole Stop top it. right corner had, Stop it. had a yeah. countdown. Begging. Ba- yeah. Begging. It was horrible. Begging to buy Peacock. And then throwing this over your head as well, too. Saying that, hey, this is this is history. All right? We're making streaming history today. Oh yeah. First time. Playoff game. Not on broadcast TV. Holding you hostage with that stupid QR code, and then cutting it off. Well, today, what's NBC and Peacock saying? They're boasting. They're bragging. They're Here's the quote. NBC and Peacock make history the most watched live streaming event of all time. The most live streaming event in history. 23 million viewers. Well, how about this little breaking news for those, those people over there? 23 million? That's like a weak regular season game in the NFL. Heck, you probably have that for Thursday Night Football. Oh, when Thursday Night Football was on broadcast television. Well, the other, uh, the game the, the night before had 29 million. Yeah. So it's yeah, not much difference. Not much difference. Exactly. And yours at 23 million viewers. That's less than the average of a normal NFL football game. So stop adding insult to injury with this history, all right? And why don't you do this, NBC? Why don't you say, hey, thanks to all you schmucks for paying $5.95, all right? Thank all those guys. I want to know how many people canceled. How many people canceled? Are they going to remember to cancel after that? I saw a lot of mess- And how about a lot this? Of stuff saying that Next to the QR code, would it say, hey, subscribe for a year? And you'll get 50% off our fine programming. What fine programming? Billy Madison? 
uh, reruns of uh, the the Olympic Games and I already told in you why me and you both are gonna both love Peacock. I'm not loving no Peacock. Why? When I, why? Why do I want? Because it's you got all the old wrestling on it. You got the old wrestling. The old okay. wrestling. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, tell me where I could find that on a regular basis. But I'm saying, like, I'm on, not on demand. Yeah, right. Yeah, thank you, thank you for all the schmucks that purchased that. All right, fans are irate. Last couple of days, as we know they would be, because they were forced to pay for a football game they should have been able to watch for free. Fans are ripping it on social media. And people did report, yes, that they had buffering problems. They said there is average of two to three buffering problems during the streaming game. Well, at least you didn't miss too much because the Chiefs destroyed the Atlanta, the Miami Dolphins like we knew they would in that game. So, But again, this is just the beginning. We're going to hear more of this. We're going to have the NFL just, you know, clamoring for more streaming getting more money from NBC and everybody else and the general public to pay to watch professional football. They also did 40% less commercials and a complete fourth quarter commercial free. So, I mean, I liked that. You like that? I like that. You still are not watching football during that time. And it's going to be impossible to click off and watch something else. So what do you, what do you watch? Do you see what you're watching instead of commercials? They were showing ads for Peacock stuff. But there I mean, you go. There you go. But I mean, so you still got ads. So that's still not got ads. Saying. But that's what these idiots are saying. Oh, at forty percent bull. It's not forty percent less commercials. Or why don't you just have a blank screen like we're like we're at the football game and just stare and look or get up and go to the bathroom or whatever? Okay, so we don't have to watch Lily seventeen more times, or I'll have to watch that goofball the the uh, the telephone co- uh, commercial because he doesn't know what to do with his bill, and they're saying just chill out, honey. We're gonna fix dinner. Okay, I'm tired of seeing that. How many times am I gonna watch the stupid lady on the airplane? All right, telling me, oh yes, you know. We got free movies with the purchase of headphones. I'm sick of it already. All right? Over and over and over and over. The same commercials over and over. And quit taking the old school songs, all right, and putting them in these commercials. Get your own jingle. And don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare play that freaking Burger King song. Because if I hear that, then I'm going to go upside down. That, that's it. Whopper, 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 that's whopper, it. Scratch. You know I had Record to. scratch. Multiple record scratch. Now. See, see? See, you screwed yourself up. You don't even know what you're doing here. Oh, God. All right. Speaking of fans irate, Utah State UNLV basketball game on Saturday. UNLV loses to incompetence to the officials. Two errant and horrendous calls. This goes down in one of the worst losses that this university ever had. It was terrible and it was inexcusable. And there was no need for it because of the incompetence. 31 seconds to go. UNLV's led wire to wire. Then a double-digit lead. And they're up by six. Pretty much this possession sealed it up for them. Ball goes out of bounds after a missed shot by Utah State. Ball goes out of bounds underneath the Utah State bucket. Officials, not sure what to call. They go Utah State ball. No, 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 no. 
UNLV players going, no, it's, it's clearly off Utah State. We all saw it. People that were there, yours truly, at the game, we saw it. CBS Sports, our good friend Pete Gillen, Carter Blackburn on the call. The terminology they used was clearly it is UNLV's basketball because the ball clearly went off a Utah State player. After a five-minute review, a lengthy, ridiculous review, they refused to overturn the call. Don't know why. Have no idea. But people are thinking, well, you're still up by six. Just get a stop here. You'll be okay. Ball gets inbounded. Throw it to the corner. Three-pointer from the corner. It's good. Now, all of a sudden, lead's cut in half down to three. Uh Uh-oh. Now, 27 seconds to go. They're in the foul game. They foul D-Don Thomas. UNLV guard makes one, misses one. The lead is now four. And then here we go. You got a layup. By Falstead, cuts it to two. Rodriguez gets fouled, makes both free throws. Lead goes back to four, and it's 86-82. Here comes Utah State, coming down with nine, eight seconds to go, launches a three, and hits it. A whistle blows away from the basketball. The bucket goes. You count the three-pointer. The official says, foul. On Keelan Boone, he was blocking out a Utah State player. Normal blockout. The Utah State player flops or falls down. I'm not sure. It was false left. The same guy that made the layup before. He goes down, and the official calls a two-shot foul. That's where he's wrong. It's not a two-shot foul. Anytime there is a made bucket on a possession, you can only have one free throw. Doesn't matter if it's two. Doesn't matter if it's a three. You heard the term and one. Now, the officials obviously were confused here. But those of us that know the game, coach's game, we know what the rule is that is one shot. And it does not matter if it's on the shot, the foul is of the person that shot it, or if it's away from the ball. Two shots should not have been awarded. It should have been one shot. It wasn't even a foul to begin with. But this is how UNLV got host. No one said nothing. No one contested it. No one protested it. They let the game go on. And even when you look at the official underneath the hoop, he's putting up one finger like, okay, one shot. So while they're saying two shots, I go, no, it's not. It's one shot. It's one shot. Everybody knows it's one shot. It's one shot. So he puts up one finger and says one shot. He make, The Utah State player makes the free throw to tie the game at 86 all. And then he goes, okay, now one more shot. Makes free throw. It's 87-86. UNLV inbounds the ball. Dedon Thomas puts up a 15-footer. It rims out. And UNLV loses 87-86. It was devastating because UNLV never trailed until the final eight seconds of this game. The problem I have with this is, number one, if you have replay, you go back and you look at that inbounds pass. You clearly see that it was off of Utah State. You give UNLV the ball, and more than likely this game is over. So you blow that. But then an official wants to go ahead and make another errant call that wasn't even a foul and award two free throws. For those of you that don't know the rule, it's pretty simple. And you go to the rule book and go look it up. If a foul takes place on a made shot during that transition, doesn't matter if it's a shooter or not, the maximum 
free throws awarded is one. The only time that two free throws can be awarded under that scenario is if it's a flagrant foul or if it's a technical foul. That's it. It's the only time two shots can be awarded or a dead ball foul. This was in the play. Now, apparently, somebody wanted an answer after the game. Later on, the official who blew the whistle said the reason why it was a two-shot foul, why he called it, because according to his interpretation, once the ball is released and it was in the air, then a common foul goes into two shots. And I say that is incorrect because when do you determine in this possession if it's going to be one shot or two? Swish! Thank you very much. Beautiful sound effect. After it goes through. And if it doesn't go through, well, then if it's off the ball, it's two free throws. If it's on the shooter, it's three. Right? But a made bucket, doesn't matter if it's two or three, you only get one free throw. It's maxed out. And this official said, well, because the ball was in the air, that is incorrect. That is still part of the play. All right? That all still part of the play. After it goes through the hoop. Okay? And now that is over. That play is over. Then if you have a foul, flagrant or technical, then you could have two shots. And guess what else you'd get? You get the ball, too. So improper use of instant replay, improper use of the rules as well, too. And UNLV, unfortunately, has a devastating loss. Terrible. (laughs) Finally, I'm going to leave you on this one. This is sad. Chicago Bulls had their inaugural Ring of Honor ceremony on Friday night. They had it at halftime of the game between the Warriors and the Bulls. So that was pretty good timing. And obviously, they did this for a reason because who's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors? Steve Kerr. So they're going to honor him. So they're going to basically honor many of the players of those championship teams of the Bulls throughout the 90s. Except the Bulls really messed this thing up. Not just the Bulls, but the fans and everybody who was there. They inducted many players, including Jerry Krause, who was the former general manager of the Bulls, who was the architect of these Bulls teams. And when Jerry Krause's name was announced, he was booed. He was booed vehemently. He was booed. Bulls fans, shame on you for booing anyone during this situation. They ruined the moment, not only for the Krause family, but they ruined the moment for everyone else that was there. The architect of six Bulls championships. Here's the thing. If people did not know, Jerry Krause is dead. Jerry Krause passed away in 2017, and his wife, Thelma, was there to to take his spot and to be honored. And the fans are booing his wife. You're booing a dead man. You're booing a dead man with his wife there, and you're booing an organization who he was a general manager of for orchestrating an architecture of six championships. Nobody should be booed on any Hall of Fame or honor ceremony. But leave it to Bulls fans, they did. Ron Harper was there, standing next to Thelma Krause, and he had to console her. 
Shame on the fans. Shame on the Bulls organization for not saying something more or whatever at this point in time. And you know who else shame on? Shame on Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, who weren't there. He didn't show. They didn't show up. All right? Now, I understand the Bulls had six weeks to put this together. Probably wasn't really organized that well, so they get some of the blame of this as, as, as well, too. But Thelma Krause did not come to that arena, fly in, make a weekend out of it, and celebrate with all these other former players who have mad love for her and her husband, Jerry, who deceased in 2017. Instead, when they showed Jerry Krause's name in his picture on the Jumbotron, the crowd is booing. It's insane for that to happen. Totally insane. And why is this? Where did all this start? It started with Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, they didn't like Jerry Krause, right? They, he was the butt of jokes, and all this got famously publicized in The Last Dance, the documentary, which we talked every week about in 2020 with the pandemic when Bill Cartwright was joining us, and we would recap every episode. And the fans got to see how Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, especially Michael Jordan, belittled Jerry Krause, made fun of him calling him crumbs, the general manager, a guy that was rotund, a little roly-poly, was kind of quirky, and those guys were making fun of him. Just like Michael Jordan was making fun of Scotty Williams and other other players as well, too, because that's what Michael Jordan did. So that's where it all starts from. The crowd, the Bulls fans, just leaped on and jumped on what Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen were doing, and they think that's funny. They think it's cute. It's just mean. A lot of people are speaking out now from people like Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, other coaches, other players. Stacey King addressed it on the Bulls broadcast afterwards saying that was inexcusable. Bulls fans, shame on you. Just atrocious. You have a ring honor ceremony, a ring of honor ceremony, and then you bring the widow of Jerry Krause to tears. Yeah. Shame on Bulls fans. We're going to have more on this. As we bring in the seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, he's going to talk about that. Obviously, a man who's knew Jerry Krause very well, knows Thelma Krause, knows many of the players that were there. They're his former teammates. He has five of those, six of those rings. Five of six, Mr. Cartwright has. He'll join us. We'll talk to him as we continue more about this on a terrible Tuesday. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at the brand new venue at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. Join us as we induct the class of 2024. NBA champion Matt Barnes, all-star James Donaldson, Major League Baseball's Nick Johnson and Leon Lee, and world champion triathlete Jamie Whitmore. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. For all info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. Hi, this is Dusty Baker, proud member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. You have to be there to see it at Thunder Valley Casino. This is five-time NBA champion Bill Cartwright. When I'm in town, I always listen to T.C. Martin. You should, too. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing like a, a Cartwright Tuesday here. A terrible Tuesday. Especially with James Brown. Yeah! Let's get it on the good foot. Can't be a little JB. The big seven-footer. What's going on, my friend? 
Yeah, fuck it. Hey, it's all about, uh, it's all about getting it done today. Well, at least you got some JB on. Yeah. Well, you know how we do it, man. I mean, we play all the hits here, you know? Come on, man. It's your only sports talk show that gives you all the hits all the time. There you go. Always put it in a little true. rhyme. Woo! Right on time. Give me a dime. <laughs> hey! 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 I'm drinking my hot tea right now, man. Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, something hot. Yeah. Something hot's going on, for sure. All right, man. Uh, we got to talk about uh, what transpired at the United Center there Friday night, the Bulls-Warriors halftime, the Ring of Honor ceremony. I know you are well aware of this. You've got uh, thoughts. Uh, we talked about it a little bit here in a Terrible Tuesday segment. Uh, I, I'm very curious. Uh, give me your thoughts here, man. Well, the Ring of Honor ceremony itself, I thought was very positive. That's something to bring players back to the uh, United Center, uh, back to Chicago, back to the fans. And so the idea of that was great. Um, even those, um, what was appropriate to Terrible Tuesday is that uh, uh, two of our best players of all time didn't bother to show up, and that's Michael uh, Jordan, Scotty Pippen, which is preach it, brother. Uh, whatever. But anyway, they didn't bother to show up. Uh, our coach, Phil Jackson, uh, he did show up, and I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, he, um, you know, he, he, he knew what that, what, what people wanted and uh, what it meant. So, uh, but people in Chicago, he came back and unfortunately a lot of legendary guys were not unable to be there. Johnny Red Kerr, Jerry Sloan, both of them passed away. And in reference to who you're talking about, uh, the GM of the Bulls, Jerry Krause, who's passed away, when he was introduced, was booed by the fans, which there are no words to describe that reaction, and there are no words to the how horrified she was uh, to listen to those boos and be startled and start crying. If you can imagine uh, on this occasion where there should be a celebration with um, one of the notably best teams in basketball history uh, is booing somebody who's the architect and responsible for them winning championships. So uh, that was an embarrassing moment for the organization. The fans who boot should be, um, there, there are no words to happen to them. They should just be exited from the building, embarrassed. Um, so it was, uh, it was a night of great intention uh, that ended horribly. And I just felt really bad for Thelma. Because um, I, I do know her, I know her personally. I visited her and Jerry in their house. Uh, I love Jerry. As you know, Jerry's had so much to uh, do with my uh, career as far as training me, training for me in the Oakley trade to get me over to Chicago. Um, when I and my throat 
damage. I had my larynx fractured and my right vocal cord paralyzed. He took it upon himself to find to find the best doctor in the country, Dr. Robert Sadeloff, who's in Philly, to perform operations on my throat. And then this guy basically gives me a second career. He talks me into coaching that I had never have done. I've never done without him. So, but alone, he hired me as the head coach in Chicago Bulls, the first black head coach in Chicago Bulls history. So this guy... I owe a lot to him, and I just had a lot of respect for him, and I was just horrified uh, to hear about what happened, and just just very sad for 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 Thelma and, and the Cross family, and um, and this um, very well played, terrible testing fits in perfectly. Yeah, here's the thing, Bill, and. You know this better than anybody. Uh, you were around Jerry Krause. You saw how he was treated by some of those players, your teammates. You mentioned two who were not there. And we saw this publicized in The Last Dance, in the documentary. And fans would have no idea what Jerry Krause was all about. Because fans, for the most part, those fans that, that that come to Bulls game season ticket holders, they don't know Jerry Krause personally. They don't know his wife. They don't know his family. They don't, they don't know anything about him. But when you hear or see Michael Jordan making fun of this guy or Michael Jordan making comments or Scottie Pippen making comments and thinking, oh, this guy is you know tearing down the team and he's, you know, uh, Michael is is questioning some of the trades and all this other stuff. Fans just jumped on Jordan's bandwagon here, and I blame him. I blame him big time because number one, that, that that's not your role, that's not your spot, and you don't go public with it. You know, if, if that's the way you you choose to, you know, have your thoughts, you keep that behind closed doors. You keep that in Jerry Reinsdorf's, uh, you know, office, or along with with Jerry Krause. And you don't play it out in the media, whether it's television, newspaper, radio, and then show that type of thing in a documentary. I mean, making fun of the man publicly, calling him crumbs. And, and, oh, yeah, he's the one to blame that that broke up the Bulls. Hey, you know, maybe we could have had, you know, seven, eight, nine titles if it wasn't for Jerry Krause. And that's the farthest thing from the truth, and you know that better than anybody. But I blame Jordan for that and fans just running on what his words were, and that's why you got the ridiculous, stupid behavior. Because that doesn't happen in every city. It doesn't happen, you know. A lot of times fans will, you know, uh, stay in ovations for general managers, presidents, or even owners, even if you disagree or whatever. But then, you know, this situation, it, it, it's it, it's uncalled for, you know, like you said. But I, wouldn't you agree with this is why the fans are booing because that's where they got their information from? Well, I think in part, but um, common sense should prevail. And then and, and, and you know me, to where you, you think that people should know better. People know the appropriate behavior. Uh, it's one thing the guy's passed. I mean, let's show some respect for that. Let's show some respect for his wife. Um, just basic common courtesy. So I can't blame 
MJ for that. That people are too bright. Um, does he have his hand in, you know, part of maybe that, what went on, maybe? But uh, that's just people. They're just not very bright. And, and look, we deal, I'm a sports fan, as you know. I'm a big fan of sports. I'm more of a fan than I am a critic. And I think that sports now has changed to where people used to be fanatics and they were, they were talking about, they would love their team. Now it's more of, let's, let's just criticize this guy. Let's, let's not appreciate what he does well. Let's appreciate, let's look at what he doesn't do well. And no, let's second guess the GM and owner. And it's, you know, the hardest thing about being a fan and is just sticking with them. Sticking with your team. As you know, it's like me sticking with my RUSF Dons. I'm going to stick with them. Hell or high water. Those days may be done. Where people stick with teams because they're your teams. So, um... I'm not sure about that, but, but I do know, and you know, common courtesy. You know what's the right thing to do. You know not to misbehave. That seems to be, be what you're supposed to be doing nowadays. Uh, so, uh, but that, uh, what I saw and what, uh, everybody saw was, 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 was horrendous. So, um, and it's, it should be beneath the Chicago Bulls fans because they are great fans. They are, they did support our team amazingly well. Um, I don't think that does reflect the, the real fans of Chicago, but in that particular instance, unfortunately it did. Yep. No, you're right. And you're right. Everything you said regarding the stupidity of fans, the ignorance of fans, and the immaturity of fans. Because you, at some point, you would hope they would just have common sense and respect. I mean, that's the thing. They all know Jerry Krause has been passed for six-plus years. They know that. And this is a honorary ceremony. So, yeah, common sense should come into play. But you're right. For some reason, it doesn't. It doesn't, and there's no excuse for that. So, no, the ultimate blame, you're right, is for is on those fans that did that. Maybe not everybody booed in there, okay, but there was a good amount that that booed, and others just jumped on. But I mean, that's just it's classless, plain and, and simple. So, all right, uh, you you stick with your teams. You said uh, are you still sticking with your Dallas Cowboys after uh, this weekend? Those Cowboys just uh, <laughs> played terrible. Just played absolutely terrible. But yeah, I'm going to stick with the Cowboys for for who they are. They uh, okay. What do you want them like to do? Just, what do you want them to like, do with the coach situation and the quarterback situation? You happy with that? Time for a change. What do you want to do? Uh, well, well, for one thing, I'm not going to say change coaches. Uh, we're definitely not going to change quarterbacks because we've got one of the best quarterbacks in football, and those guys don't walk out every day. So <laughs> I think I think they'll do a reevaluation. You know, the coach is probably going to exit, 
And and this is the reason they're going to exit. They're going to exit because the Cowboys, one reason I like them, uh, and one reason why these clowns in the morning criticize the Cowboys is that the Cowboys are looking to win a championship every year. And that's the standard that every organization should strive for. Every organization does strive for it, uh, that the Cowboys should be appreciated because they strive for excellence, and it's every single year. So um, they'll make the right decision, and I'm, I'm sure they'll uh, their intent's going to be really good, and that's to win a championship. Now, I would be curious to hear... Um, you know, nobody's going to talk about the Jets or the uh, the Giants in New York, or um, because they're, they're they're just happy to have a winning season. Uh, the Cowboys are trying to win a championship every year. Yeah, I'm sticking with them. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and debate you about you think you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, that's. Yeah, we do. No, he's 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 not real good. He's a, just he's a, just get over it and try not to hate. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to hate. I gotta tell like it is. Sure you are. I mean, no. Sure you are. The guy's no good. He's not good. He's not good. He's he's a he's a average quarterback, and average quarterbacks no. do not win. Do not do not win playoff games. This and that and no, that's and no, you know I know Mike McCarthy correct. better than anybody, and he's not the guy to get it done either. So. Didn't, didn't Mike McCarthy win a championship? Uh, he was he was a coach of a team that won a championship. Yeah, yeah. We'll, well give there him you go. We'll give him credit. Well, yeah. there, there, yeah. there, there, you go. So that's incorrect as well. How, how so, many times did he underachieve just, as well, too? <laughs> well, I'm just saying that he won a championship. Yeah, he got so, one. Got one his belt. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that you know, Cowboys aren't far away. And look, and look, the Cowboys are an easy target. You know, no, nobody's going to talk. Nobody wants to talk about Bill, Philly. Bill, you lost a first-round game. You got drilled. No, no, I'm, and they no, were undefeated that, with a number one offense. I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that. Why are we hearing about Philly? Oh, I, I just, Why is that? Oh, I blasted Philly earlier. Philly, number one most disappointed team in this, in this season. And Dallas, number two. Goodbye. I mean, you know, two teams that really – underperformed, underachieved, especially the most important moments of the year. So that's all I'm saying. You don't, you could be a fan of the Cowboys, but you don't need to defend them. I mean, you know, you should. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of defending them because they're, they're going to be right back next year. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. I'm a fan. I just told you that yeah. about eight times. What team are you a fan of? I, and who, who, who do you pull for besides the spread? Nobody. Give That's me a it. team. I, I used to be a, a Green Bay Packers fan when I was a kid, but I outgrew it. You know? <laughs> you know I outgrew so it. You, so you have no team. And you the, pull for. You know what? You don't There's have no a team. team. Listen, you played in the NBA. You don't have a favorite team, okay? I'm in the media. I'm supposed to be partial, uh, impartial, partial. impartial, you impartial. Be a fan? No, not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm in the media. I'm, I'm no, I'm no oh fan. Oh my god. Yeah. That's sad. That's that's the truth. That's sad. That's that that's that's what we're supposed to do in this in no. this line of business. That's what we're supposed to do. You can be a fan, but don't get mad if I'm not a fan. But right now, you know what? We're a fan of the break because we got to go. So it's time for some night train. So go ahead and play DJ. Go. Let's hear it. Find a fan 
as um, that's that should be your next song. JP should want a song. You see, find find the team. Be a fan. Find the team, PC. That's JV NBC. Oh my goodness gracious. We'll catch you on the flip side. Capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, TC Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, pitches it. it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got 40, it. He's got it. 20, 10. He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags. On the field! It's a miracle! The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Tuesday. Continue on here. We're going to talk some VGK this hour as well, too, with our good friend Jesus Lopez, the uh, Spanish voice of the Vegas Golden Knights and Golden Knights that victorious last night 4-1. The captain, Mark Stone, gets a hat trick, his first regular season hat trick. So we'll talk VGK this hour, as well as plenty of NFL football. And, of course, our Terrible Tuesday takes. Uh, that's uh, will be up on the website a little bit later on. Check that out. And the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, joined us last hour as well, talking about the Bulls fans, um, their behavior, horrendous behavior, uh, booing uh, Jerry Krause and while his widowed wife was there. And uh, yeah, so uh, just atrocious in their ring of honor ceremony that took place Friday night uh, when the Bulls were playing the Golden State Warriors at halftime as uh, they remember those great uh, Bulls teams. You know what's what's really weird about this is that ring of honor. This is the inaugural one. We're in 2024. The Bulls have so much great history going back even to the 60s and the 70s. You know, it just wasn't, you know, in you know the late 80s and early 90s. What took so long? You know, I it, mean... It's the Bulls. It, where, where, where's where's, Butter, where's Bob Love? Where's that? Where's Chet Walker? Bob where's Love was Gilmer? actually in... It was, was in, it was in, in... But they said this is the inaugural yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. There should have been one in the 90s. I mean, you, you hang a guy's jersey up in the rafters five years after he retires. I mean, come on. Some organizations will even do it, you know, sooner than that. Did you know Kraus has a banner? Okay. Kraus has a banner. Mm-hmm. Phil has a banner. Yeah. I, I was just like, because I watched that, and it was just, yeah. it was great to watch. I turned down the, the booing because it was just pissing me off. Mm-hmm. But it was actually really so good. So when that happened, I mean, you're a Bulls fan. How'd, I, how'd I'm a feel? diehard. And you, it, it, you were upset, right? I was upset. Yeah. I mean, like, I get why they're upset. Mm-hmm. Don't do it during that while she's standing. You don't do it, period. No, so no, period. I know. You know. But I'm saying. Especially someone who's been deceased for six plus years. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. You know? 
Our next guest, he's got Chicago ties. We talk about Chicago with him all the time and all the fans, uh, all the teams that he's uh, uh, roots for, the Chicago. I don't think there's a Chicago team this man doesn't like. Well, he probably doesn't like the White Sox like me. Well, I was going to say, is he a Northsider or Southsider? Yeah, he better be a Northsider. I know he is. Yeah. But the one and only Chuck Esposito hanging out at Red Rock today. It's a little quiet day today. It was a really busy, busy weekend. But, Chuck, before we dive into football, uh, give me some thoughts. I know that you are well aware of the Ring of Honor ceremony that the Bulls had Friday night. Uh, give me your take. I'm just going to start off with, I'll tell you what baseball team I'm a fan of when I'm going to say, hey, look at the guy in the sombrero. <laughs> so. uh, oh, now, remember that guy who you're just... I know, did the but vote, he, he, did he, the finished, he yeah. finished in cubby blue. I know. Holy I know. cow. That's right, brother. There he is. That's right. There he is. That's why I like you so much, Chuck. See, no, no south side for me. <laughs> No South As long side. as I entertain you, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. You got it, brother. All right. Let's talk a little Bulls, man. Did you did you watch okay. the ceremony on Friday night? Um, I didn't watch it on on Friday. I I, I watched it after the fact, yep. you know. Um and yeah, definitely surprised at um uh the booing of Jerry Krause. I think enough time had gone by that you still have to understand, like him or not, and that happens with, you know, a lot of organizations. He still, you know, was the architect of a lot of the success of that team. Um, I'm not, you know, it doesn't bother me that it took so long to have their ring of honor. And I mean, hey, they're six and zero in finals. We all know who the goat is. Um, they were they were great in two different spurts. And um, uh, but uh, you know, the booing was was really uh, an unfortunate thing. Yeah, it, it, again, it just, you know, a lot of people just don't have class. And you would think that uh, common sense would would take over. And unfortunately, uh, not uh, not the case there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, back to what we talked about, Chuck, before we brought you on, you know, you're well aware of the Bulls' heritage and their history and every, everything. Uh, why do you think it took so long for that franchise? And they're one of the storied franchises uh, before they got this Ring of Honor thing going? Not sure, T. I mean, you know, again, if you're a Bulls fan, it never really even occurred to me, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, just I knew how great Jordan was and, and those Bulls teams. And, you know, um, you know, growing up being a Bulls fan and clearly knew when you guys mentioned guys like uh, Butterbean Love and, and Chet Walker and going back to, you know, Norm Van Leer and Jerry Sloan and, the years with, you know, Tom Borwinkle at center and not having that, that big name and, you know, Nate Thurman there and Artis Gilmore, um, it never really phased me. I just know, you know, that uh, they had two different spurts as being the, the, the best team in the NBA and a fun team and 6-0 and in the finals and prevented some mega superstars from ever getting a chance to win an NBA championship. Uh, and they never had to do it in seven games. They did it in six or less every time. So it didn't phase me because in my mind, they all were up there. Yeah, and great point, uh, Chuck, too, by adding that. Six games or less, and uh, every time they got there, they won it. They didn't lose it. You know, Just a fun, phenomenal run. And when you talk about dynasty, I mean, that is the epitome of dynasty. That's the definition of those Bulls teams in the 90s. You know, no, no question. Well, you, you think about it, T, if, it's, uh, if it was Charles Barkley – um, if it was Carl Malone, yep. uh, John Stockton, uh, Patrick Ewing, um, the guys that they prevented from ever winning a ring, Reggie Miller, uh, pretty impressive. 
if um, if Jordan's not on the Bulls and it's a different you know scenario, maybe all those guys have a ring. But there was one guy that prevented them from getting a ring. And you know, I, I know it's a it's a discussion that we could have another time and about who the goat is. But you are six and zero in the finals. You never left your team to chase anything until you know the, your playing career was almost done and there was other circumstances there when he went to the Wizards. But never left to chase. Never was bringing his skills or his talents to someplace else. Always did it as a bull, and I thought made the players around him better. If it was a, if it was a Kerr, if it was a Paxton, a B.J. Armstrong, a Pippen, a Grant, a Rodman, a Cartwright, a Bobby Hansen. I mean, it was he made those guys better, and that's what's the defining moment for me in his career is not only the six rings, but never getting that seventh game, but making guys around him better. Yep, no question. All right, there's the native Chicagoan, Chuck Esposito, talking Bulls. All right, man, let's uh, let's talk about the terrible, since it's a terrible Tuesday. Uh, who is a bigger disappointment, the Eagles or the Cowboys? Wow, that's a, you know, um, if you would have asked me this question probably two months ago, I'd say the Eagles. Um, but I'm going to say the Cowboys now. I think a team that hadn't lost at home in uh, almost two years, was undefeated this year, was averaging over 36 points a game um, against a very young Packer team, youngest team in the league. Um, however, when you really look at this Packer team, they were by far the hottest team in the NFC down the stretch. Um, there was a midway point this season when I thought they were junk. Um, but they really, with a lot of young kids and the development of Jordan Love, turned it on. Um, but I think it's the way that the Cowboys got beat. I mean, they were never really in that game. It was never a threat from early in that game. Um, and hats off to the Packers. I hate to say it, but hey, they played a great game. They've got a good young quarterback now. As I mentioned, one of the younger teams in the league with receivers like Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Reed and Musgrave at tight end. They're in a really good spot moving forward. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure that's the case with the Cowboys just because of more salary cap implications. You know, when you look at um, the job that the Packers did, uh, Chuck, I, I'm willing to give the Packers, you know, the credit and everything. I'm still not there about, okay, you know, how good Jordan Love is or can be or whatever, because the way I looked at that Dallas game, I just cannot believe the uh, approach that they had in this game. I mean, they really thought they were going to have a walkover, it looked like. And then Dan Quinn, a guy who is currently interviewing for head coaching jobs and whose name was even talked about maybe even replacing Mike McCarthy a few weeks ago. I put a lot of this blame on him because he goes to this this soft, weak zone coverage and let Jordan Love just pick you apart. I mean, that is not how the Cowboys played defense for a majority of the year. They were the, a man-to-man defense. They had press coverage at the line of scrimmage, and they went away from what they did. And if you go back and you look at, at how many open shots and open receivers that Love had, and then there wasn't any adjustments really made. There were some adjustments at halftime, but that's on Dan Quinn. Then, of course, you know, Mike McCarthy, there's plenty plain to blame on him. And then offensively with Dak Prescott, here we go. We're going to get good Dak or, ba- or bad Dak. And just in all of this reverberates every year it seems like with the Cowboys and you know I don't think that's just talk you know Chuck this is legitimate when you really go back and you examine this team I mean they're it's not they have bad luck 
I mean, it is just bad coaching. It's bad decision making and really kind of overvaluing some of the, the, the players and talent that they have. But, you know, I'm just saying that that Dallas defense, they made it exceptionally easy for Jordan Love. You do not see Jordan Love putting the ball, you know, uh, into double coverage or that there was none. I mean, every receiver, especially in that first half, was wide open. Yeah, I think when, you know, I thought this year was different because their defense was so dominant and the way that Prescott and CeeDee Lamb played, that this was a team that had elevated themselves and really had kind of changed the narrative of playing in Jerry's world to be such a huge home field advantage against a very young Packer team. But although they finished the season really hot, I thought the jury was still out on how good they actually were. But as you mentioned, I mean, every time Jordan Love rolled to his left, if he threw back across his body um, to the right side of the field and over 20 yards, there was not a Cowboy player around any receivers. Um, so whatever the reason is, Prescott's now 2-5 and five in the playoffs. We know that McCarthy has had um, you know, issues in the playoffs. We know that um, the clock management is bad. Um, this is a team, I think, that's built now. We know that Dak's got a huge contract um, that, you know, uh, are they going to – to pay him, renegotiate, or move on. I don't think they pay him the over $60 million. I think that they've got a tough decision. I think he has to renegotiate that deal. But they've got some tough decisions because Lamb's going to want to get paid. Parsons is going to want to get paid. Um, and, you know, what ultimately they do with th- that price tag of Dak Prescott. Chuck Esposito joins us over at uh, Red Rock uh, talking about uh, last weekend's wild card weekend and now look ahead to the divisional round. Speaking of the Packers, now they have to go to San Francisco. And before we dive into that game, Chuck, I I don't know how you feel about this, but not a fan of all of what the NFL is doing. I am totally fine with expanding these playoffs and, you know, to seven teams. Hey, more the better to a certain degree. I get that. I like that. And, you know, one team getting a buy in each conference instead of two. Okay. I'm actually okay with that too. But when you talk about reseeding, that is downright uh, atrocious and, and, and should not happen. The Green Bay Packers, you are still penalizing the Green Bay Packers. They get in as the number seven seed. They knock off the two seed and they should be rewarded. They should be staying in the bracket where they initially were assigned to, but instead now they're moving up a bracket because, oh, well, you know, they won. So they're the number seven seed. So they have to play the Niners. No, they shouldn't. I mean, this is ludicrous. Reward this team for the victory and let them play the winner of the three six game, which is, you know, the Detroit Lions instead of having to go play the Niners. I don't get it. I don't like it. How do you feel about it? I totally disagree with you. I, why would you penalize the 49ers then and make them play a higher-seeded team just because the Packers won? I mean, the Packers had to win the very last game of the season just to get in. Um, they were the last team in the NFC to get in. Um, so, hey, you had an opportunity for 17 weeks to, to, to state your claim. It took the very last week, your very last game, to get in. So you should have a tougher road, I think. And, hey, you happen to win a game, great. But you're going to play every game on the road. You're going to play the highest-seeded team left. I think it's been like that in most sports 
for as long as I can remember. I know the and, and the NHL kind of got away from it, but I don't think you reward a team just because they happen to win one playoff game after they were the last team to qualify for the playoffs. I think if anything, hey, you're going to have the toughest road because you kind of made your bed, guys. Um, I, I totally disagree with you, T, on that one. That's just my opinion. Okay, no, and, and I'll go back and I'll say the regular season is the regular season, and everyone we say that, okay, now you're starting over 0-0, zero and zero, and a team could barely skate into the playoffs uh, because of injuries or whatever it is. It's not so much that they stunk during the course of the year. It, it's, it could be other circumstances, but the bottom line is you don't – if you have a bracket, you have a bracket. You don't do it in March Madness, and you don't do it really in other sports. You don't. You don't reset. And the NFL never receded until a few years ago, well, until he went, went to this thing. So I think that's what's weird. And, and what you're saying about the 49ers is you are rewarding the 49ers. They get the number one seed. They got a buy. They get a first round buy and they're not playing. They, they would play the yeah, number, why, why number four or five seed. Division winner then. They're playing, why should they have to play a division winner in Detroit or Tampa Instead of a wild card team, I don't think that you you, you get rewarded. But for that's the a four seed, Chuck. Off. That's a four of the five seed. So one versus four—that's what we normally see. Or if the five upsets the four, in this case, they're. It's only one versus four or five if the seven's not alive. Right. But if the seven's alive, to me, it makes perfect sense. I would do it the exact same way. I mean, I know we're both welcome to our opinions, yeah. and you know, I respect your opinion. But I, but I think that okay. you you're the seven seed. You're you're expected to have the toughest road. To get to Allegiant Stadium, in my opinion. Okay. All right. So now, with all that being said, you've got Green Bay at San Francisco. I got to believe, I know for a fact, that they're not going to see a defense like they saw in Dallas last week. Uh, the Niners are going to be ready to go. Uh, those uh, Those cornerbacks... Those safeties are going to be all over those receivers, and uh, I fully expect the Packers to struggle. I think the line kind of says that. Uh, we see the line at nine, nine and a half. Uh, give me your thoughts on the game and the line movement, if there's been any so far. Yeah, you know they historically play um, the teams that were on the bye. Um, it used to be two teams in each conference. Now it's one. So I expect when push comes to shove and before kickoff of both these two games that will probably be Texans and Packers fans. However, there has been early action on the Packers. We were at double digits, and we've come down from there. I think it's probably the fact that they've just been the hottest team in the NFC. You can say the Bills are the hottest team in the AFC after being, I think, 5-5 five and, five and and turning it up. But you look at the Packers, and again, I was not impressed with them midseason. They really turned it on the second half of the season. So we have seen some Packer money show. On the flip side... Um, historically of late, Green Bay having to go to the Northern California and play has not been a pleasurable experience. It's been a house of horrors, and that was the case with, with Rodgers for a several years there where they just got blown out when they go play there. We know how good the Niners are, but, hey, anything can happen. Purdy still is unproven in the postseason, was hurt last year. Um, you know, he struggled in that big game on Christmas against the Ravens. This is a Packer team, I think, that can be loose. Hey, we weren't expected to be here. We knocked off the Cowboys, the number two seed. We're now playing the number one seed. You know, everybody's not giving us a chance being the biggest dog on the board at double digits. 
They can be loose in this game, but it's a very tough spot to go play against a well-rested and getting healthy 49er team. you got a relatively high total here, too. 15.5 weather will be fine in San Francisco. Great football weather there. Um, and uh, you look at the the offenses. You know, if, if we're going by what we've seen with both offenses recently, I would imagine you'll probably get some overplay here. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind of agree with you that I think you'll see some over money. I think if you're Green Bay, you want to, you'd hope maybe that you could run the ball a little bit and keep it out of the Niners' hands. But their offensive line is rather on the small side. They're much better at pass protecting, which we've seen, than at at run blocking. But uh, Aaron Jones has done really well the second half of the season since he came back. Um, but I, I think you'll see some points in this one. I think with uh, with these two teams. But I've really been impressed with. Uh, with Jordan Love. I think he's played phenomenal the second half of the season. I think he really kind of, you see the maturity. Uh, I thought he looked great against Dallas. He never really got rattled. He was able to scramble in the pocket, step up. When he rolled to his left, he was able to find guys wide open to the right. That is, it's hard to teach that, to have that vision downfield, not to throw it away, not to tuck it in and run, but to really continue to survey the field when things start to break down with your offensive line and find the open guy. And he did that time and time again against one of the best defenses in the NFL. All right. And uh, I can hardly wait to watch this game. And we're going to see, for me, this is going to be the litmus test for Jordan Love. How is he going to perform against this 49er defense on the road? I think uh, if he does what he did last week, then, wow, I'm going to be joining you and saying, okay, we you got something special. But I want to see what happens. And for me, he's going to need to prove it against the Niners. And uh, let's see what happens here. Uh, the first game of the day will be Houston and Baltimore. Same situation. Baltimore uh, sitting here with that number one seed. They got the bye. But as we know, Chuck, it always hasn't meant great things for Baltimore, especially in the Lamar Jackson era here. And Houston... Hey, give D'Amico Ryan's plenty of credit. He's done a fantastic job here coming over from San Francisco as their defensive coordinator, head coach with the Texans. No one really expected them to be this good, but man, do they put the whipping on Cleveland 45 to 14 and Joe Flack of the two pick sixes. A lot of credit to that Houston defense with four sacks. And of course, CJ Stroud uh, continues to play exceptionally well. Uh, same type of situation. You got the number one uh, seed over there favored by nine. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think, again, we're, we're going to be uh, Texans fans when this game kicks off. Uh, at least I think we're going to. It's the Ravens who are on the bye. The Texans, excuse me, who were at home in that game against Cleveland played great. Cleveland, although, you know, was hot the second half of the season and had such a um, you know dominant defense at home, that was not the case on the road. Uh, and they clearly got exploited in, uh, in Houston uh, over the weekend. I think much different uh, case here. Weather could be a little bit of a factor, not nearly as bad as it was this past weekend, but still cold there. I think it's a tough task for this young Texan team. Um, their defense has been so-so, especially against the run this year, and that's where the Ravens kind of excel and set everything else up. So if I had to probably pick one of these two favorites, I would favor the Ravens over the Texans more so than the Niners over the Packers, um, but it wouldn't surprise me in both cases if we're rooting for the underdogs against a team that's coming off the bye on Saturday. Chuck, you had so many blowouts uh, last weekend in, in that round, but uh, you know it necessarily wasn't uh, the, the favorites. Like in that situation where Tampa Bay just blasted Philadelphia, you know, last night uh, they win going away, and you know there's only one close game, and that was the the Rams 
and uh, Detroit, even though there was no scoring in the second half. And I know if you had over tickets, you were probably saying, oh, this is going to be easy cash at 21-17 at the half, but uh, it wasn't the case. Talk a little bit about you know the results uh, last weekend. Yeah, I think, you know, first I'll touch on the Eagle game. And I know we, we talked about this last week, T. I really expected that, you know, um, at some point they're going to be able to flip the switch. I know it's the same conversation we had last week, but it just never happened. After being 10-1, and one, going 1-6 one and six down the stretch, um, this is a team that I always look for a team that's playing their best ball, is, is confident, and kind of has that swagger um, toward the end of the season and health. Now, I know they were missing A.J. Brown. But that confidence and swagger that this team took into the Super Bowl last year and almost won, and this team started the season at 10-1 and this year, was nowhere to be seen. They looked like a beaten team early in the game to me. There was problems on the sideline. Uh, you know, if you, if you believe what you read, there seems to be some internal problems with Sirianni and, and A.J. Brown. They just looked beat early on. So I'm not sure it's a product that Tampa was that good or if Philadelphia was that bad. But I really expected at some point they would flip that switch, even if it was a close game against Tampa, and they won, that they were still a team that could, that could give somebody else, either a Detroit or San Francisco, the way it all, you know, would have worked out, um, a run for their money in the postseason. But they ran for over 230 yards when these two teams played um, in week three, I think it was. Yep. They could barely get to 50 <laughs> in this game. Yeah. It, it just Even Jalen Hurts just looked like a different guy. His, his kind of demeanor his command of the offense. I think it was they were three quarters in before he actually ran. Um, I don't know if it was a health issue, health issue with him too, but they did not look like the same team that was 10-1 and one at one point this season. No, not at all. A disappointing season for the Eagles. They lose six of the last seven as they uh, close out uh, the season. And then, you know, you got the Chiefs uh, in the Dolphins. Uh, that was a favorable matchup for Kansas City. They won 26-7, to and now – we got the game on Sunday with Kansas City and Buffalo. And now first time that we're seeing Patrick Mahomes and these Chiefs go on the road. They're an underdog. And you mentioned earlier, Chuck, that, hey, you know, Buffalo is kind of the flavor of the month right now. They've been battle-tested, uh, you know, had some tough opponents the second half of the season. And uh, they took care of business, uh, beating Pittsburgh rather handily. And now a two-and-a-half-point choice here. Uh, why the number at two-and-a-half? And... Uh, What's it going to take to move that thing to three? Well, it's a really good question because we went back and forth, T, on two and a half and three of what the correct number would be. And I think they will ultimately drive this game to three. Um, I think it goes back to what we've talked about. The Bills have been the flavor of the month, and they've been red hot. It's not going to stun me if they're playing in February. Um, I think in Kansas City's case, it's not the same Chief team. We've seen them struggle against you know teams this year. Their offensive production isn't nearly what it's been in the past. Um, and the fact that it's their first road game with Patrick Mahomes. Yet, they're still the Chiefs. They can, you know, he can pull a rabbit out of his hat at any time. It's a Bills team that's a little banged up on defense. Um, offensively, they haven't looked quite the same with kind of the Allen and Diggs, um, you know, hookup going on. And as I said, they're a little banged up defensively. Is that something Patrick Mahomes can exploit? We know how dangerous he is. Maybe they relish the role of being an underdog here and having to go play on the road. Um, but this is the game, I think. When you look for a buckle-up game that we're really going to watch and maybe it's a team 
that has the ball last wins it is this one. But if I had to say right now, would the game stay where it's at, go down, or go up? I'm thinking this game goes to three by kickoff. Yeah, and uh, of course, there it is, the uh, the final game of the weekend of the divisional round. It'll be a, a night game there in Buffalo, uh, so 6.30 there, 3.30 here on the West Coast. Uh, it's going to be cold, it's going to be great, and great drama, everything leading up and carrying over. And as you know, Chuck, you always talk about these games at, at the end, whether it's a Sunday night game or a Monday night football game, where you got all those parlays and teasers rolling over to that game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if you got two uh, two-sided action there or everything's rolling to buffalo i think it might be a little bit more two-sided to yeah. but again i i think you when you look at the other three games i think it'll be the ticket counts you'll look at will will really favor baltimore san francisco and detroit i'm not a hundred percent sure in this game uh, i do think that the money will ultimately at some point maybe we, maybe they drive us to three midweek or late in the week and we get a buyback right away to, to let us know that, hey, that, that, that key number is just a little too juicy for Patty Mahomes on the road. Or maybe they won't. Um, but, but I think that's the game that um, we're going to be in a position that I'm not sure yet ultimately how big it will be on both sides. Um, but I think the other three are going to clearly favor all three favorites ticket counts. But, again, I do think the Bills game will get pushed to three. Just not sure if it gets bought back or how early in the week they actually push us there. Yeah, and the thing with Tampa, too, I mean, this is a team that's kind of under the radar, but you talk about, you know, hottest teams. You mentioned the Packers, one of the hottest teams right now. You could make the same thing about uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, winners, you know, right now, uh, what, to six of the last seven games, including their victory over Philadelphia, and, you know, getting six and a half points. We understand, you know, Detroit, uh, people love the Lions right now. They do. But, uh, again, they haven't been in this situation before. So do you think you may see a little Tampa Bay money? Is it, could Tampa Bay be a live dog? Yeah, they absolutely could be, T. I mean, I love the way they, they played down the stretch. I mean, you have to love that – Baker Mayfield kind of rallied that team, and they played so good. Um, offensively, they've got some weapons. I love the young defense. Um, but, <clears throat> hey, this Detroit team, without having a, a playoff home game in over 30 years, bringing Megatron back, bringing Barry Sanders back, um, you could just hear the crowd. I mean, it, is a, it was definitely a hungry crowd. They were really enthusiastic. They were behind their Lions. I think it was a game for Jared Goff that – Hey, I know that Matt Stafford did win a Super Bowl, but if I was the guy who was kind of the throw-in and if they were going to move on from me quickly, I've proven that I can win games in Detroit. And they're a really, really good team. They're fun to watch. They've got great playmakers. I love the throwback mentality of, of Dan Campbell. If you're talking to me about who's today's closest version maybe of Mike Ditka, to me it's Dan Campbell. And I think he embraces that community in Detroit. The team embraces him. They're really good, and I think the public's going to back them as well. Um, if the number were to go to seven, I think there's some value with Tampa. But we did open at six, and they quickly did push us to six and a half. All right. He is Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock Station Casinos. Uh, great job over there, Chuck. And uh, I know the atmosphere is fantastic over the weekend. Look forward to another one. Hey, now, did everything work out how we anticipated when we talked last week about that uh, Chiefs-Dolphins game that people were banging down your door, they were standing room only because they wanted to follow the Peacock, and the Peacock was at the stations. <laughs> we had a great crowd in here, T, at all of our books for that game. I think it's just part of the whole package. I think everything that we had to offer and 
guests being able to watch that marquee game on that evening um, on Saturday night just kind of was a, a perfect outcome for us. It was fun having two games each day and, you know, having a primetime game Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I love it from our side of the counter. Uh, uh, Chuck, have you canceled your Peacock subscription yet, or are you going to roll out with it the whole year? You're going to keep it? What are you going to do, man? Huh? Hey, got to love the games on Peacock, T. You got to love it. <laughs> well, there was, one on, well, there was one on there. We'll see if they get any more. But, yeah, oh, too funny, man, too funny. I'm sure you can find some good, uh, some good programming on there you might like. So maybe some ice fishing. You might see that in there. There you go. There you go. Maybe, maybe, a, maybe if there's a there's a, a, a pizza documentary on oh. against thin crust, and, and you know that I would keep it for for sure. Right. I was gonna say maybe if we could get the NFL to join in with the Food Network, you'd have me. There it is. That's there what you go, T. That's what we do. There you go, Chuck. There I pre- go. appreciate the time as always. Say hello to the gang, and uh, we'll see you real soon. All right, buddy. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. Chuck Esposito, the fine races sports book executive director of the Station Casinos properties and their sports books. Get the STN mobile app. Uh, so easy to use. So go uh, get that, utilize it, and bet, uh, you know, wherever you're watching the game at. Okay. Avoid the long lines and use the mobile app. Very easy to do. Go deposit and uh, enjoy. All right. We come back. We're going to talk a little VG. Okay. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at the brand new venue at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. Join us as we induct the class of 2024. NBA champion Matt Barnes, all-star James Donaldson, Major League Baseball's Nick Johnson and Leon Lee, and world champion triathlete Jamie Whitmore. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. For all info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. Hi, this is Dusty Baker, proud member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. You have to be there to see it at Thunder Valley Casino. Hey everyone, this is Carnell, aka Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the TC Martin Show. Get back at the Westgate of Las Vegas inside the Superbook on Fridays. Great being there yesterday. Our Friday home turns into Monday home sometimes on big events. And speaking of big events, don't forget. Uh, the International Theater and the sports book there inside the Superbook. Going to be hosting the big game extravaganza. Get your tickets at the Westgate Las Vegas for that. And how special that is, huh? Super Bowl here in Las Vegas here at Allegiant Stadium. But those that can't make it to the game, hey, they'll have it on all the big screens, the 4K video wall. The party is on. So go to the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas and get ready for the big game party extravaganza. All right, we continue on here on this Tuesday. Also, we got top-ranked boxing coming back to Michelob Ultra Arena, Mandalay Bay. That is coming up on February the 8th. Get ready for that. We will have tickets to give away for that as well, so hang tight with that. So, uh, yes, busy, busy time, as you know here, coming up with the Super Bowl extravaganza. And you always have those events that also coincide with the Super Bowl. And obviously, top-ranked boxing does a fantastic job of that. Teofimo Lopez will be in the ring um, on uh, that night, February the 8th, at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Our next guest, I love seeing him at the at the boxing matches as well, too, because he covers boxing and covers just about everything for ESPN Desportes here in Las Vegas. But we most people know him as the Spanish voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, my man, Jesus Lopez. What's happening? Or as I like to call him, <laughs> the second coming of Mills Mascaris. 
Hey, how you doing, Dizzy Martin? Good. Great to be with you. <laughs> how you doing, my friend? It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I've been doing great. You know, I, for the first time, uh, TC, the uh, Winter Classic in Seattle was broadcast in Spanish. It was my honor to do that, and uh, it was an amazing experience. Amazing. Too bad the result, you know, but it's still an amazing experience. I know. Uh, hey, says so you did not get to call a Vegas Golden Knights goal outdoors, did you? You didn't get to call one. No, I did not, and I had my mask ready, man. <laughs> I love it. I did not. I love uh, it. No, I did not. Talk about but, the win- uh, talk about the Winter Classic, though, and that experience. Again, you know, you got a chance to go to Seattle and broadcast that. We saw it on television, but tell me how that was uh, for you. I, I got to imagine that was your first outdoor. Uh, game. You've heard the stories, and you know we've we've talked about, you know, uh, you kind of basically teaching yourself uh, hockey over the last you know six years or so. But that had to be yeah. quite different for you, and it had to be quite an experience for you. And yes, I do want to know what you were wearing as well, too, and if if you kept warm. Well, you know, I just was, I was uh, wearing liners under my suit, of course, and uh, the NHL uh, asked us to be uh, dressed up in black. Nothing else, nothing, you know, no no uh, flashy colors or anything like that, because I was right on the glass. So that was, to begin with, a uh, whole challenge, I mean, right on the glass. So um, it's it's uh, it was amazing because you could feel, you know, when they were skating in front of you, um, how the ice, the, how the eyes uh, was shaking every time that they passed by, uh, skating at that speed. And, and I, get, I got to see uh, T.C., uh, you know, something that I never felt before, because having those players right next to you, you see the the, 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 the effort, you see uh, the kind of uh, physical demand that, that this beautiful sports has for uh, the players. Uh, it was it was amazing. Uh, I love experience, and I'll do it over and over and over again. It, it was just, uh, uh, it's been, you know... Um, a magical ride with the Vegas Golden Knights. I never thought that I would have this kind of experiences, but uh, I really, I really thank the Vegas Golden Knights uh, for giving me the chance to do this. That is quite unusual to call a hockey game, you know, basically on on the ground floor, right? I mean, that is that you had to have some difficult angles there. And I'm very curious. I mean, it was because we knew it was in a baseball stadium where the Seattle Mariners play. Was it just a a, a room situation where they didn't have a you know the press box was wasn't large enough to accommodate everyone? Well, it was far away from the rink to begin with, but uh, it was amazing. I, I, I've been to the Mariners Stadium. I saw Hideo Nomo pitching there ah. a couple of times, ah. and uh, in 2009, but and. Uh, but uh, we were all right on the glass, uh, broadcasting from from right on the glass, uh, right on the rink uh, rink side. And uh, but yeah, the, the the press box is far away from where where I was, so uh, it was going to be a whole challenge to see the park. Uh, but no, it, it it was it was really really good. Uh, just as I said, uh, being able to call um, you know the place so close and and. And you learn a lot. You learn a lot because I had Dan Duba next to me, and and uh, I've always, you know, I've always uh, rely on those guys to learn about this sport. And and uh, well, now the NHL is uh, a full swing, you know, trying to conquest uh, the uh, Hispanic uh, community. 
and I'm glad, you know, because uh, it's the last uh, major league uh, to come for the Hispanic community, and uh, I'm going to do as much as I can to do so, you know, to uh, achieve that. So um, it's been it's been an honor, uh, you know, being there, um, and also how professional, how ethical the NHL is. It's just uh, it's amazing, TC. Hey, hey, sis, we have talked about this before. About uh, again, you know, you didn't have any hockey background. You kind of had to uh, lean on a lot of other people and and, and read up and, and things. And then, how long do you think that it took you to really felt comfortable with you know the rules and 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 you know just just you know because I know you're like me. You're you're very critical of uh, of yourself and you're a perfectionist and you want and you want to do it well and i know you're always uh, self critiquing yourself as well and i'm i'm curious how long do you feel that it took you before you said okay now this is smooth i know these rosters the opponent everything the game the rules everything at what point was it for you that you felt like okay now i'm i'm dialed in since I did, uh, since I do only local games, uh, pieces were missing, you know, uh, to get the whole feeling of uh, what hockey is. So I believe last year, GC, I'm uh, just being honest with you, last wow. year I felt very comfortable because I traveled with the team. I went to Winnipeg. I, I went to uh, Edmonton. Um, I, you know, we went to Dallas and then uh, the, Pan- but the Panthers, uh, Florida. But you need... You need to be in the hostile environment to understand how hockey, you know, the, the, the magic of the uh, uh, opponent uh, crowd involves you and absorbs you and uh, how careful you have to be with the things that you do and the things that you say. There were a lot of interviews for radio and TV, and, and uh, um, I think I just needed the feeling of that to, to feel like complete about knowledge of what hockey was about. But as far as my play-by-play, TC, uh, once again, last year, I believe, I felt, like, really comfortable doing it. Like, really, really comfortable. And I started seven years ago with the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and uh, it, takes, it takes a lot of time because it's not only uh, describing what's going on in the rink. It's, it's about uh, transfer the feeling from the eyes to the audience a transfer, you know, uh, um, you're doing it in radio, so you have to be very careful to describe, you know, position, possession, direction, defense, and attack. You have to cover those five points to do it right. And and uh, it was not up until last year that I felt, like, really, really comfortable. Just the way I call, you know, boxing matches or, or soccer games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, just last year, TZ. Wow, that's, that, that's amazing. That's a great perspective that you have in putting in there. Hey, not really until you went on the road to go to an opponent's uh, arena. and Because you're right, then you, yeah. get, you get that feel. And then in a lot of those arenas you went to, there was a lot of history there. Heck, you're going to Canada, so you're talking going to, about going to Edmonton and Winnipeg. That those are not only hostile environments, but they're very they're smart and they're educated fans as well too. So I understand that. That's 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 well put, Jesus. Very good. Yeah, I remember when we took care of uh, uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, Gary Lawless, when we were walking out of the arena. Gary Lawless told me, "Hey." Take your pin off your uh, uh, suit, Jesus, just for, you know, yeah, because, uh, I mean, just like you said, uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, they, uh, 
Wayne Gretzky came out of the Edmonton Oilers, for Christ's sake. So just imagine how the kind of history that this team has and, and, and how Canadians, what hockey means for Canadians. In the United States, we have a lot of leagues, you know, a lot of sports. And, 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 uh, uh, but in, in Canada, hockey is a religion. You know, hockey is everything. Mm-hmm. Hockey is identity of a Canadian person. And, and uh, it's, 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 it, w- it was overwhelming just to see how uh, Winnipeg or Edmonton embraced uh, the, their teams uh, to the top of suffer, you know, the, the, the results. And, and uh, in order to, to a play-by-play guy to deliver that, it's, it's a whole challenge. It's not, it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. And I remember... But, us- but hey... No, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I remember uh, talking to you during those road trips, and uh, we got some uh, very good restaurant uh, recommendations from you as well. You know? <laughs> right, probably, yes. courtesy, probably courtesy of Gary Lawless, though, really, right? <laughs> Especially in Winnipeg, because this is yes. from Winnipeg. Yeah, we visited a very nice uh, Italian restaurant where he used to date his wife, <laughs> and, and uh, it was an amazing place, yes. No, it's... it's, uh, it's it's not only that. It's, it's about the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, like Nate Ewell, he's always like, what do you need, Jesus? What do you need, Jesus? Everybody is willing to, you know, to, to cooperate. I have a great, I, I call Dan Duba el maestro because he's my teacher. I mean, this is my mentor. It, everything that I need to know, I go ask uh, Dan Duba. I love his play-by-play. And, and, and uh, you cannot go wrong with the kind of team that, that you have, and you cannot go wrong with the way that the Vegas Golden Knights handle things. And they really surprised me uh, uh, with a championship uh, ring, uh, TC. I wasn't expecting that. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about the ring, my friend. I know. I haven't <laughs> seen it up close and personal yet, but uh, you got to be liking that bling, huh? huh? Uh, it's, it's, uh, I still not believe it. You know, every now, I, every now and then I just look at, I used to stare at the box where the ring is. <laughs> I don't wear it. I don't wear it much, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the things that meant a lot for me was uh, my son's reaction. You know how proud he was, and 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 uh, and, uh, and he told me something that I never thought about. You know, he said, uh, "Dad, these are the kind of treasures that go generation after generation." And and uh, this is a great story to tell on our, you know, on our family side, especially after what happened to us. Um, yeah, his reaction was everything, you know, and, and uh, as I said, I cannot thank enough the Vegas Golden Knights. Mr. Bill Foley has been amazing, Nate Ewell, uh, Eric Tozzi, uh, Kelly McCreeman, uh, George McPhee. I mean, those guys are always like, are you okay? Is everything okay? So uh, you cannot feel more support than that. Yeah, and uh, if, if you saw Jesus uh, uh, at the parade, too, uh, I don't know what the heck you were drinking there, my friend, but you were, you were putting it down. <laughs> <laughs> it was champagne. You know, after the parade, uh, I, I had a whole bottle of champagne, and, and uh, when I was getting off the bus, uh, William Carlson was like, where are you going with that bottle? And I go, well, I'm going to keep this for me and my sisters. They're outside. No, 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 no. Uh, hand it over, you know. And, oh, yeah. and so we drank. We drank the bottle, and, uh, and I told him, hey, look, you, you had enough. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. And then you saw what happened on the stage, you know. Uh, you and Wild it's Bill. Great, so it's it's your fault. Guy. It's probably your fault. You, you and Wild Bill were getting tanked before he hit the stage. 
No, no, no. He was already drunk when he got off the bus, uh, I'm telling you. <laughs> that is too funny. Jesus Lopez has a fantastic yeah. job on the Spanish side for the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, let's talk real quick. Last night, uh, the Knights got it done. 4-1, hat trick from Mark Stone. This team is has been struggling a little bit. Anyway, it's always tough to repeat, as we well know, but the Knights have had some injury issues. Kind of give us your take, not only about calling Mark Stone's first regular season hat trick, but uh, how this season's gone so far for the Knights. Well, you know, we have to understand that uh, it took for the Knights 15 minutes and 19 seconds to take the first shot to the net of the uh, Predators. Uh, Soros uh, didn't have to worry at all, you know, in the first period. But once that they um, started to connect, because that's what the injury brings into the team, you know. When you have a healthy line... Uh, this, this, these guys know exactly where they are. And that's why we saw a lot of uh, uh, missing passes on the first period because uh, they were adjusting to the new uh, alignment, to the new, to the new, uh, to the new lines, uh, the new partners, if you want to call it like that. Uh, but once that they connected, everything was, you know, down the hill. And, and I hope they keep the same, uh, the same formation for the next game. We have tough games. We have the Rangers. We have Pittsburgh coming. And, and, and uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not, we cannot waste any more at least home points. We got to make those uh, uh, good. But uh, as I said, that's why we saw uh, the team look terrible in the first period last, uh, last night. But you know what? When there's a hat trick, uh, everything uh, is just uh, uh, magic for the audience. The T-Mobile Arena was gonna, you know, collapse when he scored the third goal. And and uh, and believe me, I still feel it in my throat because you know how I call the goal. Uh, and 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 uh, it's, it was just a uh, a relief to see that the team can work uh, that way. And and uh, I think take advantage of, of their like Mark Stone. You know he has extremely extremely. That, we call him in Spanish Cerebro Stone, which is brain brain uh, uh, stone. Uh, and and he's the he is the brain of the of, of the of the team. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does magical passes. It doesn't have to be like the fastest or or, or the. He just you know every time that he handles the puck is is a is a very good pass, but. They need to connect, and that takes time. But they did it last night, and I believe from now on, we just have to wait for those uh, to recover and, and, and eventually uh, make sure that we're going to make it to the playoffs. I, I don't I don't see how they're going to have a problem making it to the playoffs, uh, but we cannot waste any more points at home. But it was amazing to see Mark Stone scoring a hot trick, and and uh, and then you know Marchessault with that very obtuse angle, his shot was very hard to get, and he scored uh, the fourth goal. So yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, I think they're doing they're doing great after the, after this slump that we've been in. Um, I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna come back uh, on a very good. Um, we don't want the president's trophy because somebody told me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's we don't. We don't want the president's trophy because somebody told me that it's a curse. So <laughs> let's just make it to the playoffs. Please. Yeah, I mean, you know, no one believes the curse. You know, the guys that wear masks and everything—they don't believe in curses. No, no, not at all. There it is. <laughs> All right, so we, Jesus, we must. We're going to leave on this, and I know it's it is virtually impossible to try to recreate a goal. 
but you know our listeners probably did not hear you. You you call the any way you could recreate that Mark Stone third goal for us right now. We got we got to hear the the Jesus Lopez call. <laughs> okay, let me try. Let me just remember right. the play. Let's do it. Uh, and here we go. Detrás de la red, se encuentra en su momento. Chandler Stephenson, el pase viene para Dorofeyev. Dorofeyev, el pase para Mark Stone, el disparo. Gol! Golazo! That's a hat trick! Tenemos un hat trick! En la tima de la vida para Mark Stone! That's the best I can. Whoa, that's how <laughs> You know, what I learned right there, that hat trick is yeah. universal language. Hat trick in it Spanish is, is hat trick. Right? It is. it is, of course. Yeah, I call a lot of those for. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, you know. Yeah, so, yeah Messi, Messi, Messi. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, I love you, man. I appreciate the time as always. Continue success, and uh, we will talk with you more during the course of the season and as the Knights work their way to the playoffs, my friend. But uh, continue to enjoy and uh, love hearing about your journey. Love you too, GZ, and thank you for having me. Anytime, my friend. You got it, brother. All right, take care. All right. There he is. Jesus Lopez, ESPN Deportes, 1460 on your dial. And, uh, you know, if, if you're listening to the game, you're in the car or something like that, and then you listen to the regular, you know, um, you know, on 98.9 or 13.40, the, the American version, immediately, like, when you kind of sense, oh, power play's coming, go over to 1460 exactly. and listen to Jesus yeah. so you can get it. You can feel it right there. Tremendous. Uh, great, great uh, – Great guy, and I uh, love seeing him at, at all the games. Not only just the Gold Knights games, but he covers uh, the Raiders boxing. And, uh, again, a longtime colleague of mine, worked in the same building for many, many years. Uh, I appreciate him very, very much. He does a fantastic job, and appreciate the Knights for giving him the opportunity. All right, I want to thank the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, for joining us. Chuck Esposito talking a lot of bulls today. And, of course, plenty of terrible Tuesday takes. Hit me on Twitter, TCMartin21. Follow along with that. And go to the website, check it all out, tcmartinshow.com. We are back at it tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. for a wild Wednesday. Have a great night, everybody.